right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Uh, you know, it's just good, isn't it? Second Corinthians 5. I loved what Tom, Pastor Tom said yesterday, you know, about the treasure and the pot in Second Corinthians 4. And we're going to continue this theme. Now think about this. In Second Corinthians 4, if you'll go there, Kevin, verse 1, I want to just kind of give a, a picture here, okay? We have, it says in verse 1, therefore we have this ministry because we, ha- we were shown mercy. We do not give up. Isn't that a humdinger? Man, that's good. That is good. So, all right. First of all, we have uh, this ministry. All right, let's keep going. Verse 7. I want to talk about this other thing. So besides the ministry, this is the theme verse for all of the book of Second Corinthians. But we also have this, Kevin? Treasure. We have this treasure. Okay, the Lord has blessed us with so many. This ministry, this treasure. You go to verse 13. Okay, it says we have says the spirit, look at this. It says, now since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what was written, I believe therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Uh, Which is a super profound uh, word, so thanks to Tom for that. Uh, We have this spirit of faith. So look at all the components. Look at all the components that we've been given. Okay, now here's where I want to hang out. In verse uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, as we transition. So this is kind of our transition from 4 into, into 5. It says, For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have, what? A building from God. An eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. So, Kevin, we have also a building of God. So I'm just going to, we're going to build on this today. We have this ministry, we have this treasure, we have the spirit of faith, we have this building of God. Now remember in verse uh, chapter three, all of this is based on the spirit of life. This is not based on the letter or the law. So in verse one of second Corinthians five, here we go. It says, for we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed. Now Paul was, Kevin, what was Paul's? Can you go to our map, Tom? Do you mind for us? Paul's hanging out in Corinth. Uh, Rich, being the craftsman you are, do you remember what Paul's occupation was? Yeah, he was a tent maker. Paul was a tent maker. Okay? If you know anything about tents in early days of time revived, that's all we did. We lived in tents, not like Bedouins, but like, you know, the Dallas tent, the Dallas tent revival, right? Uh, we put up a big, big tent. Rich, how about Seattle, Washington? Yeah, there was a tent underneath the uh, Space Needle. Space Needle underneath a tent. Uh, how about Asheville, North Carolina? Uh, that'd be another tent outside the courthouse. Yep, another tent. Uh, how about Minneapolis, Minnesota? Kevin, do you remember that one? There was a small tent over the soundboard. And food. Uh, there's one thing about tents they all have in common. You just hope that they pray that, and pray that they stay up. You get one gust of wind, you get some rain, and I'm telling you, these tents are just like... It says in Acts 18.1, after this, he left Athens. He went to Corinth, okay? So he's hanging out there for 18 months. While he found... This is where he found a Jewish man named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy. Hey, I came from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Hey, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so these two are coming from Italy, Aquila and Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them. So there's three of them. Now watch in verse three. It says, and being of the same occupation, stayed with them in work, for they were tent makers by trade. Paul, Aquila, Priscilla. Hey, you know, let's put up a tent today. Man, I... You guys, that's pretty good. Okay. Did you get it? That's good. (laughs) That was good. That was good. All right. So anyway, here's the deal. Um, This image of tents, I really, I think actually it's probably maybe why he used this image. 
there's a possibility of here because tents are like you tear them down really fast. They're not the, the most durable. I mean, let's face it. They're not this permanent structure. And that's really what he's, he's saying is that we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling okay, is destroyed. So like it's just it's not going to last long. So we're talking about our bodies. Our temporary earthly dwellings are going to be destroyed. They're not going to last long. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Eventually, you will physically die. We have not this temporary, but we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Tom, he's not still not talking about a mansion in heaven, though, is he? No, he's talking about a new body. He's talking about a new body. He's comparing our old, like, is there features of your body you don't like? Rich, let's talk about this. What's one feature you don't like about your body? That I have to wear glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we all have these things. Tom, what about you? Let's not go there. <laughs> Kyle, what about you? Man, I got a lot of issues. Uh, <laughs> I used to have a unibrow. But you know, like this. And then you have to, you have to pluck it so that you don't have the Burton Ernie. You know that? <laughs> That's good. That's very good. You know, but those are the kind of things like, I don't know, like there's so many different things. And like, we're all like, we don't really like these characteristics of us. You know, those kind of things. Like, I'm kind of a skinny guy, but if I eat certain foods, I'll get weight certain parts of my body. Not a fan. Tom, Tom eats whatever he wants, Tom Jankowski, but he works out. So Tom, is there an issue with your body that you don't like? Uh, I'd say teeth. Oh, your teeth? <laughs> okay, here's my point in all this, okay? All of us have something we don't really like, Right? I would think so. And because of that, like, we know that it's wasting away. Praise God, we have something better. Praise God, we have, when it says a building from God, you guys, we're really talking about a glorified body, as Tom said. It's like we have this eternal, beautiful body that will never actually show weakness in the end. Like that, To me, that's a complete opposite of a weak, temporary body that has aches, it has pains, it has tingles, it has more tingles, it has, you name it. Your hip is bad, your foot is bad. I mean, can we start describing our aches and pains? Like, the glorified body uh, trumps 100% the temporary tent. It's just a really cool picture. And I, I think, uh, for me... This building comes because of, I want to tie all of this in into 1 Corinthians 15, because of the resurrection. Because of what Christ did, death, burial, and resurrection, you guys, if you'll, Kevin, go to 2 Corinthians 4.14. 2 Corinthians 4.14, just in reference to yesterday, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. So because of the resurrection of Christ, we can now say in 2 Corinthians 5, we can say this, that we're going to have a glorified body because of what the work of Christ did. Death, you no longer have sting. It's no longer six feet under and decaying. No, no, that's not our, our hope is in Christ and that he's saying, oh, by the way, this stuff is just temporary. It's just a tent that's going to blow away. But when you have the treasure inside of us, and that's really what he's talking about, you guys, in verse two, in, indeed, we groan in this body. Desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven. Uh, Wearsby puts it another way. We're really just eager for Jesus to come back. 
Because we want to, what? Be clothed upon with our glorified body. We actually want to, look what it says in verse 3. Since we, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Well, praise God. Nobody wants to be running around naked. So when we're clothed in Him, then it says, look you guys, in verse 4. Indeed, while we groan, we groan while we are in this tent. Burdened as we are. Because we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed. We don't want to go through this death experience so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Paul really clearly says, I'd rather be alive and on earth at the return of Christ rather than dealing with death. I mean, I don't care who you are. I I don't think anybody really likes to say, oh, if I told you, you know, hey, this is how we're going to die. Like nobody wants to go through that stuff. I think the Mindy's painting the the cracked pot that, Paul's reference to the temporariness and the cracked and whatever, you know, it's the treasure trying to get out and just the resurrection of Christ making that possible. Amen. You know, in verse five, it says this, and the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God. What what purpose? The one who prepared us for this purpose, for the glorified bodies, to get ready for his return? is God. And so what do we do into that process? He says, well, he gave us the spirit as a down payment. What a cool picture. I I love that image. Isn't that a weird phrase, Kevin? Strange term. It kind of comes out of nowhere because he's been talking about tents and dwelling places. Now he's talking, but it's a, it fits because you think of a, a house and a mortgage, you put a down payment on it. Yep. So everything up until this point, everything up until this point is eternal mindset, right? Like everything points to he's coming back, get ready. Our bodies are going to be glorified, get ready. So almost like, guys, endure this process because you have something way better. So in order to get through this process, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, right? I'm giving you the Spirit of God as a down payment that says, oh, that's my kids. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give them something just so everybody knows they're a part of me. It's interesting. The Greek word uh, for earnest means engagement ring. Okay, hang on here for a second. This is a cool picture. Think about this. Uh, The church is engaged to Christ. And I love this picture as Wearsby says, and we're waiting for the bridegroom to come and take us to the wedding. That's what I see in 2 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Like, we're, we're waiting for His return. And we have the Spirit of God down, literally downloaded, downloaded in us. He never leaves us, by the way. He's sealed inside of us. He doesn't leak out and go, whoops, there He goes. It's a down payment so that we hold on to uh, this hope that Christ is coming back. Which is why verse 7 makes sense. Let me back up. Let me go to 6 and I'll get to 7 here. Because it says it's 6, so we are always confident. We got a down payment in us. The Holy Spirit, when Christ uh, died, buried, came back to life, Holy Spirit comes to us when we believe in Him. We're always confident, always confident. Like you never have to worry about losing your salvation. You never have to be confident or you never have to be worried about like, oh, man, uh, 
like my glory's fading, put the veil up. Like you don't have to worry about that anymore. Like we can remain confident and know that while we are at home in this temporary body, this tent, this earthly vessel, we know that even though we're away from the Lord, you know, while we're away from the Lord, we can be confident. We can be confident in any environment that we're in because of who Christ is inside of us. Which is why verse 7 to me completely makes sense. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And I really just want to hang out here in this verse. This is probably, in my opinion, one of my life verses. Um, But how do you get to a posture of walking by faith and not by sight. Like, how, how do you get to this point in your walk with the Lord? Well, there's all kinds of reasons, all kinds of levels. Uh, Tom, what would you say? It's walking into that whole realization that what I see isn't going to be here forever. And that's awkward because... Super awkward. This is all we know cognitively at this point but it's understanding there's something more coming and to do that we have to walk it out by faith and it takes faith it's it's not because it's right there in front of us yet i'm going to give uh everybody here uh two sets of lists okay and i'm going to do this for a reason you'll hear i'm going to give one set i like this but i'm going to give another one that i like as well i just think people don't know how to do this I really believe people don't fully understand how do you how do you walk by faith? And I've actually had people come up to me and say, Kyle, I don't know how you do this by faith. I don't, how do you walk out to this component? Let me just say and back up. Second Corinthians five, the chapter, the whole chapter is the key to this, because what we're saying is, is that you realize whatever you do here, it's just temporary. So as long as you hold on to the eternal, you have nothing to lose, like nothing to lose. And so I want to walk through that process. How do you hold on to something? OK, a couple things. Focus on, okay, we'll, we'll kind of start listing these out. Focus on things that have eternal uh, significance. So instead of always focusing on, like, what you like, your cars, your houses, the things that you can see, your calendar, your phones, your Bible, all, whatever you actually can just hold on to, like, you guys, you got to get beyond that and get to the eternal. So a lot of us, we get worried because why? We, we focus on the temporary, right? We focus on the things that we can see. You have to get beyond that in order to remotely think about faith. So it comes to the point where that you have to have, think about like the eternal significance, whatever I do. Okay. Another little one. This is super obvious, but obey the Bible. Okay. And God's commands. Not going to elaborate too much on that. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Here's one that's really key in order to walk by faith. Prepare to look foolish. Like it's okay to be an idiot for the Lord. <laughs> Rich? <laughs> you just said, you said idiot. <laughs> and that is good. You know, it's Priscilla and Aquila. Hey, you know, prepare to look foolish. I don't know how they came back into the picture here. But I think, isn't this the truth? The church, if we're not careful, we're afraid to look foolish in the sight of the world. We're afraid to look foolish in front of our wife, in front of our kids. And so we base our decisions on how will people perceive, uh, like, what if this doesn't happen? You know, it's that great quote by Michael Jordan. I'll somehow mess it up. But, you know, it's the 100%. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. 
Like, that's really the reality. Whatever you don't walk out and attempt, it never happens. And so then imagine if people only functioned in life based on what they could see from their bedroom. We'd never leave our house. We'd never leave our community because the reality is, is if you're going to fly to North Dakota, that's still a, a component of faith. It's, you're, you're doing something that you cannot see, but you know you're supposed to go there. And what happens is that people base their decisions on everything tangible that you can see that makes sense. You have to be prepared to look like a fool for Christ. You got to give room for God to work. And I got to tell you, it ain't easy. Because there's so many layers of all of this right here that could be like, man, I could completely ruin my reputation. I could completely like somebody could be like, well, that guy is stupid. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Where's his reason? Where's his sound mind? Like all of these things go through my thoughts. A couple other ways is please understand when you walk by faith, please expect to face trials along the way. Like walking by faith is not some like, oh, like this is great. <laughs> or if I'm Priscilla and Aquila, hey, you know, this is a good journey. <laughs> What's with your hand? I don't know. It's like two people holding hands. All I can tell you is that when you walk by faith, it's hard. There's not an ounce of this thing that's easy. Which is why people like sight and not faith. Uh, I like this one. This next one is, is stop waiting <laughs> for an epiphany. God, you told me to walk by faith. I'm going to, as soon as you drop five reindeer in front of me that says, go to the North Pole. Five reindeer. I'm not even in Christmas season. But don't we do this with the Lord? It's like you wait for the biggest billboard, the biggest lights, and you say, God, if you give me the sign, I'm going to go. You know what that's called? That's still called sight. That's not faith. You can say, well, Gideon threw out a fleece. He did. But I'm just telling you, we base everything off of everything that we can see, which is why we never get to experience the abundance that he wants for us in his life. He says, oh, and by the way, how do you do this? When you hold on to the eternal. When you hold on to the eternal, honestly, nothing else matters. So stop waiting for five reindeer. Uh, and here's one thing I'll tell you. As you do this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Kevin, if you'll go there, please understand, and whatever you do, glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, glorify uh, 31, Kevin. 1 Corinthians 10, therefore, whatever you eat or whatever you drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. So like when you're walking by faith, it doesn't exempt you from uh, like trying to take his glory. It goes to all to him. And so when we're talking about this mentality and this truth of for we walk by faith, not by sight. And then it goes into verse eight and we're confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. The only way you can have this mindset is to have an eternal mindset. That's it. So here's what's crazy. You don't have to have the gift of faith to adhere to Second Corinthians 5, 7. Oh, but come on, one of the gifts over here is the gift of faith. So in order to be radical and, and leave my home and go to another state or go talk to my neighbor about the gospel, I got to have the gift of faith. So we wait for these gifts. According to this man, just walk it out. 
Walk this thing out by faith. And so here's where I want to go to my, I told you I was going to give you two lists. Okay. And this is my favorite one. The other ones are okay. (laughs) Is this one good? Yeah. I really like this one. John Piper comes up with this list. Okay. And good old teachers, they always have like, you know, starts with letters and stuff. And I like that. You got to, in order to walk by faith, admit you can do nothing without God. If you can do this by yourself, dare I say, it's probably not faith. You got to actually admit you need the Lord. Uh, John fifteen five. if you'll go there, Kevin, for me, please. As I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do what? Nothing without me. This is the hardest one. When you walk by faith, you have to get to the point in your life when you say, God, I can't do this. There's not an ounce of me that can do this. And so you actually have to be okay And admit it. Admit it. Admit you can't do this. And then God's like, oh, hey, I might be able to work through this guy now. (laughs) And here's the next one, uh, Piper's. And it's good. Is pray for help. Like, don't just admit it. Now talk to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 15. Like, admit you can do nothing without God. And, and by the way, God, I need you to help me. Call on me in a day of trouble. I will rescue you and you will honor me. <laughs> I think what's crazy is, I'm going to give you three. The next one is pretty straightforward. And I really like this one. Is you have to trust a specific promise. In faith. Uh, what, what do you think that means, Tom? Trust a specific promise. Live out what God's told us. Live out what's in the Word. Live it. You're going to the Word. It's purely in the Word. You're holding on to a promise from the Lord, and you got to trust. So people that don't take leaps of faith are usually people that aren't in the Word of God. Almost always. Because otherwise, what are you hanging on to? What are you holding on to? So remember in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it's like to have this understanding. We're holding on to the eternal because you know there's a bigger picture. But that bigger picture comes from the word which you got to hold on to. you got to trust in a specific promise, not in yourself, but in the promise that comes from the word of God. Second uh, Chronicles, let's go there just to, to prove a point here. Second Chronicles 20, 20. This is all about how to walk by faith. This is a fun one. Uh, In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood. and He said, hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. It's a pretty cool picture. What does he say? You believe in this promise. It's a done deal. Let's just talk about the the obvious promise of salvation. You trust in the promise that you're going to have salvation. Then you can walk this thing out. 
Okay, admit that you can do nothing without God. That's really hard for many people in America. You want to know why? Because it's called pride. (laughs) When pride is in the way, faith doesn't take place at all. Because you're all about you doing it rather than about the Lord. And as you admit you need help, you got to really pray. Press in and pray. Fast. I'd even add that component. Fast, even from meat. (laughs) That is good. That's not good, actually. (laughs) Sylvan Esh. Having a hard time, Sylvan. All right. Admit you can do nothing without God. Pray for help. Trust a specific promise. And then really, Tom, what you had alluded to, you kind of mix these, uh, is that at that point, then you act. You act upon everything that you've just admitted. You're praying. You're trusting. Here's what I think the American church does. We act without admitting, praying, and trusting. That's called sight. You just act on the things that you can see. And then, by the way, then you go back after you've acted, and then you admit, then you pray, and then you trust. It's like backwards. Now, Philippians 2, verse 12 through 13. I don't know. I just, I think we've made this too hard, walking by faith. I don't think this is hard at all. It is hard, but it's not hard. <laughs> it's a simple process. And so Philippians 2, 12 So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, like when I'm watching you, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. He actually wants you to do this. So act out what he's told you to do. Admit it, pray for help, trust in a specific promise. And then here's the, the last one. And oh Lord, help us on all of this. <laughs> we need to thank God for His provision and goodness. In the process of acting this out, please, please, please thank Him for showing up on the way. When I think about walking by faith, I mean, uh, this is a super obvious statement. Can you go to Romans ten seventeen? Uh, Romans ten seventeen. Uh, how, how does this? Uh, I don't know where this fits in here, but I just feel like I'm supposed to say it. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So when you hear these things based on the word, not what I'm saying, but based on the word, based on what you're reading, you will then actually walk out this faith. You'll exercise your faith. So what's the benefits of all of this? Well, (laughs) uh, in Ephesians 3, it says he's going to do more than we can ever imagine when you walk these things out. Uh, In John 14, 12, this one really messes with me, Tom. Uh, Kevin, can you just go there? John 14, 12. This is Jesus saying this. I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. You want to know something that will really mess up somebody's theology? You want to know how to walk by faith? Have the faith that you can do greater works than Jesus. Well, admit, you can't do this. It, start praying, God, I, I don't know how this is going to happen that I can do greater works, but you ready for this? You trust in this promise. I mean, this is a promise from Christ. You will do even greater works than these. And when you start trusting him, guess what will happen? You'll start acting this out. I have no problem telling you, I want to experience this in my life. But it won't happen by me staring at things in sight. I have to start walking by faith because of what I've seen and what I've heard from the word of God.
And then in that, we can thank God <laughs> for showing up. You know, I, there's more about ambassadors in here and representing Christ. I just felt like the Lord just said, encourage those that are listening. Guys, let's walk by faith today. All right, have an incredible day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks.